Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is the Wesson Walker Show. I Not, knew you were laughing at Michael right. Penix. That was yeah, no, Penix. It's, it's definitely it. Penix. I know, I've, I've heard it pronounced no. a couple it of different not, ways. It is, it's Wes. Come if on. If you dry your bahuni and you dry like other... <laughs> what is he drying? It's bahuni. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to start using that for oh. sure. And Walker. I can think of Joey Bats and Roughnet Odor. We know the punches were thrown there. What did I say? You want to say that first name again, bud? Roughnet is not his it's name. It's Roomnet Odor. Are you sure? Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but you also said Willie Stargle. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Willie Stargle. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Getting all the favorite milk sidekicks on the text line. Jason from Lenore. Powdered donuts with a bottle of Starbucks mocha goes great together. Mm. That's what he's talking about with some donuts. Yeah, I think the powdered donuts, though. I've never liked the powdered donuts. As really? M- not as much as the other ones. No, they're like at the bottom of the lit. I'd still eat it. I still like powdered donuts, okay. But give me a different kind every single time I'm eating donuts. It's so like it's so chalky. It makes ugh, it feels weird. I love man. powdered donuts, man. man I can't. It's not it. many types of donuts I don't like. Yeah, I wouldn't say I don't like them. I just don't like them nearly as much compared to the other. But the donuts. way you describe it, it yeah, sounds like you don't like fe- them at all. I guess you're right. The chalky <laughs> feeling is weird. It's definitely weird. Fiddy, you grab the microphone. Like that's the universal sign. I think you're going to say something. So what's going on over there? Well, I mean, I was getting ready for the live wire, but I just. How do you not like the powdered donuts, man? Like, you talk about getting a whole bag and just eating those things in one sitting. <laughs> well, it's funny because this is coming off the heels of you admitting that you took advantage of the Papa John's buy one, get Pizza one Hut. free. Pizza <laughs> Hut, sorry. Pizza Hut deal. Buy one, get one free. And you said you put down six slices. Yeah, had four pepperoni slices, two meat lover slices, and it took an hour and a half Ooh. nap. <laughs> the meat lovers on top of that those meat lover slices boy. i've read nutrition facts on those oh boys. yeah Good. that is straight Great. that is straight like 300 percent of your daily value of sodium <laughs> straight to the heart <laughs> and then eating more yeah the thing is he was acting like you know six slices it's a lot it i don't want to say I it's mean, not was, you know and y'all clown me about being you know we didn't obese you. and diabetic and oh, no one, yeah, okay go. just here no here one ever said go. that no one ever brought up diabetic or obese <laughs> <laughs> those are your words nobody ever said that in fact we made fun of ourselves because you and i both said oh six slices like it's a lot but yeah we need to stop from eating the whole pizza if we order right is that because y'all were like you know six foot and taller though like does it make it easier to eat that amount of food no we have massive appetites walking out i think that's Probably one of my favorite characteristics about you. We are brothers, <laughs> like brothers in greed, but we also have the self-control. Because, yeah, man, I can get a pizza and sit there, and I'm just like, Wes, do not go in there and get another slice because I could easily just bury it. It's hard. Uh, you talk about in college. I'm not kidding. I would love to know the percentage of my diet that went to any kind of pizza and Jimmy John's subs just destroyed both of those in college it doesn't matter if it was Domino's, 
It was the Papa John's deal that you got from the Charlotte Bobcats scoring 90 or more points, and it's the NBA. (laughs) They're scoring 90, and so I'm getting half off of a deal anytime they do it. And so I was sitting there pulling, even if it was going to be a 20-point blowout, I was still sitting there pulling for the Bobcats to score 90 points. Me and Colin Hoggard have this characteristic very much so in the same place. And so once they scored 90... You're damn right I was eating a lot of pizza. That is impressive that you're actually the fan. Because I've been to games before and you could get different things, but that you are actively rooting. And then where you want to go online and check the scores so you can see, oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. You're about to get that oh, pizza. You have, it, you have it totally correct. You have yeah. it so right right now. <laughs> I would absolutely well, watch the game. Yeah. And then they would get to 90. And I'm taking advantage of that deal. Going online, typing in the promo code, and watch a good value pizza come my way. Oh, there's Colin again. Yeah, Colin shares the same idea. All right, we can move on. It's time now for the Live Wire with Fitty. Live Wire Connect. Live Wire's on the team connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. The east and the west. Up north to the down south. Live Wire's all right, guys. Well, we're going to start with a piece of audio we did not get to in the second segment of the show, but we were talking about Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, the chances that maybe Carolina goes after them both after they both uh, have either been resigned or reti- from from their respective jobs. And Evan Cohen was on Unsportsmanlike, and he believes that Pete Carroll should come to Carolina. Pete Carroll is known for positive reinforcement. Pete Carroll is a pat in the on the back guy, not a stab in the back or stab in the front guy. Pete Carroll is a culture changer. Pete Carroll is positivity. Pete Carroll is old enough where he could have that executive role. David Tepper, Carolina Panthers, offer him whatever the hell he wants. He should be the head coach. And part of being the head coach, he should also be the team president. And oh. you should make him bring a coach in waiting with him. Change the entire culture. David Tepper should get out of the way and hand this franchise in Carolina to Pete Carroll. When we were talking about this, I, I compared the Panthers' rebuild to one of USC and what Pete Carroll did in Seattle. And I think Stanford P, because he, he asked if the Panthers are a stepping stone organization, which would mean it's a negative you know, connotation. That's not what I'm – it's not what I meant. I meant that he's done this before. He's gone to a place and built it from the ground up. Walker, would you be comfortable, though, giving him the team president job over Cam Newton? And the head coach in waiting (laughs) is something we've never seen in the NFL, more of a college football type of thing. Yeah, I don't like the idea of giving any of these coaches personnel power. I don't want that. And he did have a lot of power within Seattle to make some of those decisions. Now, John Schneider, the general manager in Seattle, I don't know if we've had any comments from him about this move with Pete Carroll Moving on from head coach, originally uh, expected to take an advisory role, but now we're not sure because it seemed like Pete Carroll still very much so wants to coach in the NFL, and now it just might not be with Seattle because it looks like they forced him out. So what is Schneider thinking about all of this? And if Pete Carroll had his hand in personnel decision-making, and yet he goes to an advisory role, but he still wants to coach, still feels like Pete Carroll has a lot of power within that organization if he stays there, right? Yeah. So just a weird situation all around. That's why I think it would probably be best suited for Seattle if they want to move on from Pete as head coach for him to leave the organization. He could come here and coach, and I would be okay with it. I'm not saying he's my number one option, but there is clearly success that he's experienced elsewhere. Top three? I don't think so. Okay. But I would be I wouldn't hate it because I do think that there are a lot of really interesting coaching candidates that I would be thrilled to have here in Carolina. 
I don't think he'd be a top three answer. And especially if he wants personnel power, I don't want that with any coach. I'd rather have a GM and a head coach and go with the traditional hierarchy. Yeah, I don't like the giving the coach all the power and all that stuff because it rarely works. I mean, Bill Belichick was able to get it done, and he stumbled into Tom Brady because Lord knows what his career would have looked like if he hadn't have. I mean, maybe he would have been able to do some things with Drew Bledsoe. But other than that, I don't know that he would have had all of the success that he had if he hadn't have stumbled into Tom Brady in the sixth round. Uh, so, like I said, I'm never really a fan of bringing a coach in and just giving him all that power. Especially, like I said, he is still very... Very vibrant. But at that age, I mean, I think you probably get maybe three, four years out of Pete Carroll. And maybe in that time he could turn this thing around. Uh, maybe he can't. But uh, no, I, I wouldn't be with it. Another thing we've talked about and we'll talk about can, uh, as the offseason moves forward is the future of Vicky Aquanu at left tackle. And Trevor Sikama, he joined the Kyle Bailey show to talk about if it's time to move him inside the guard. You know, if you're Carolina and you want an offensive tackle, that might be a little bit tough of an ask to get one that would be starting caliber next year. But, you know, you mentioned uh, you got to still let Icky ride it out. You picked him so high. He was so talented coming out of the draft. You got to let him ride it out, kind of go through his lumps. Hopefully that he's going to kick back. And Wes, you, you've said that you think it's time to move him inside. Let's just say we get to training camp next year. Nikki Aquanu is your left tackle. Mm -hmm. But by mid-October, he hasn't progressed. How hard would it be to move him inside the guard mid-season? Like, is that an in-season move that you could make with them? Well, I think this is an interesting situation because, all right, so you can go to training camp, you can go to mini camp and have him working at both positions, but he's not going to be happy about it. You're probably going to have a disgruntled player. Uh, I know I didn't necessarily care for playing guard because I didn't like being inside of people with all the ruckus and different things like that. But also, Icky wants that payday. We all know that the left tackles get the biggest payday out of all of the linemen, and he doesn't want to miss out on that or get downgraded because he's being moved to guard. Guards are paid nicely, really good ones, but not as much as really good left tackles. And so I think that's the tricky part that they play. I guess you do come in and let him ride it out. And if he comes in and he's not what he needs to be this shit and you bench him. I think you bring in some depth at that position. You maybe have a guy in place or tell Taylor Moten, hey, you need to be ready because if Icky's not going to be the guy over there, then you're probably going to have to bump to left tackle and then we'll bring somebody else in. So I think that may be your alternative because I think if you have him practicing at both positions. Now, if he has a great attitude about it and it's like, all right, you know, I'm willing to do whatever for the team and be versatile, then fine. But if he's got issues practicing at guard and tackle, too, just in case you have to move him down inside, that would be a problem. So, yeah, let him ride it out. And if he's not it, then he's going to be gone from here after next year. The Panthers have to figure out if it's worth trying to resurrect what you had from Icky at left tackle in his rookie season and hope that comes back with Brady Christensen coming back at the left guard spot and this entire offensive line getting healthier. Or if it's not worth trying to resurrect that, Going ahead and looking right now for a new left tackle, moving a first-round pick inside where he was already thought of as a guard by some NFL minds instead of being on there out the outside, they have to try to figure out what is the best decision for this team. And I think Icky riding it out still, trying to find what he was able to do his rookie season, helping him out a little bit, but also... We see players grow and develop on their own time. It doesn't mean that he's never going to figure it out at left tackle. Now, granted, it would be great if he figured it out sooner rather than later because you have a second-year QB coming up next year. Here's the other thing. Like, is it crazy? I haven't heard anybody else talk about this. 
Is it crazy to maybe switch the left side of the line and go Christensen outside and Icky Kwanu inside? He's got those small arms, though. I know that's what Matt Rule would tell you, right? I know that's what Matt Rule would tell you. But Brady wasn't awful at left tackle the year prior. And if you decided to move him outside because he's much more of an athletic offensive lineman, and Iki Iquanu is the road grade you know, pancake guy that creates gaps for the running back to run through. Is that something that you actually teeter with if you can't find another left tackle? Because Sam Monson just told you the free agent class left tackle. You're not going to be able to find anybody. And you also have the 33rd overall pick. It's going to be hard to find a starting left tackle at the top of the second round. And so what other options do you have realistically to better the left side of your offensive line? It feels like Icky staying there is the right answer. But I do wonder if there's any thought process into switching those guys on the left side of the line. Yeah, that would be interesting, uh, like I said, because I know Christensen was a left tackle at BYU. And then they moved in the guard because they felt like he wasn't capable of being a left tackle or they wouldn't have put him there. But I think he could be a break glass in case of emergency type of situation to where if he's not showing and proving, you put him back there. Yeah, I guess short story short, it's going to be an icky situation on that left side of the line. The last piece of audio. <laughs> you are limping, buddy. <laughs> that I'm going to play for you guys is uh, from Ross Tucker. He also joined the Kyle Bailey show, and he gave his opinion on if Dave Tepper will be less involved this offseason as the owner. I think he felt like he was doing everything people told him to do. Hire the best coaches, get the number one pick, you have a good defense, blah, blah, blah. And it totally backfired. And so feels to me like it's going to be a total reset there. And I never know. I know the perception of his involvement there. But number one, I never know how involved an owner is or isn't. And I'll say this, and this is my experience, Kyle. There are owners that are a lot more involved than people realize. But it never really gets out. A lot more involved. Walker, on a scale of 1 to 10, where is your confidence that two involved Tep will be less involved this <laughs> offseason? PT. You said 1 to 10? Yeah. 1? You see, and this is where I think it sucks, where like Tepper doesn't have cachet around the league. I don't think many other NFL owners respect him. Like He can't reach out to these guys and ask for guidance on what to do better and how to improve as an owner. And we're going to continue learning by trial by fire. But... David Tepper, I, I I know Ross Tucker's point, and I, I even would go with that a little bit when we would talk about Michael Jordan being way too involved and how awful of an owner he was with the Hornets. I think that changed a little bit once Mitch Kupchak took over instead of Rich Joe, and I think Michael himself changed even himself despite whatever GM was there running you know, basketball operations. I know owners are involved. I understand that you want to be involved in the number one overall pick conversation. I get you wanting to make a big decision or be a part of the process that is such a big decision, like picking your franchise QB. But it's when it feels like you are making the decision and persuading everybody else to make that decision that feels icky to me. So for me, yeah, Icky Kwanu is on the mind. I guess that's why I decided to go that route. But with David Tepper, like how much are we moving where, okay, if we know about all of the problems that Tepper is when it comes to meddling with the roster, even if other owners meddle a little bit, 
doesn't it have to be at a much higher volume with Tepper for it to be getting out the way that it is, especially with the losing? Like, either way, it has to come down whether this is rampant in the NFL or not. Well, I think it depends on is the franchise winning or losing? Does the franchise have a winning pedigree or a losing pedigree? And so I think that's a big factor here when you talk about how much is it going to get out about him meddling. We saw when Dallas was on hard times, the narrative around the franchise was that Jerry Jones was doing too much. And so I think that's a key factor in this. My fear factor of Tepper is going to remain being too involved. Uh, I think we're seeing some of that already, where he's talking about pairing a GM and a head coach and not going about things in a more traditional way. And, and I won't even say traditional because traditional doesn't have to always be that way, but he's just going about it in a way that demonstrates the traits of someone that still wants to be a control freak. So to say, do I think that he will be? I'll put it on the level of a eight or a nine. Um, but I do think there are a lot of owners that are involved because, and, and I think it depends too, is the owner very knowledgeable about football? Because you have like the Al Davises. Al Davis knew football. He had won championships. He had done a lot of things that helped the Raiders win. So I think you could trust some of what he did, but then towards the end, it got really bad. And so not many football guys become billionaires. So in that case, most of them aren't going to know much about the game to offer right. en- enough input to be able to have a real impact. So, um, But I still think they own it and they want to control it. Is that it, Fiddy? No more sound bites? That's it, baby. No mas. You call me baby. Let's move on on that note. <laughs> it's been a little bit testy today. It's been a little bit weird with Josh Fiddy Marlowe. All right, the Charlotte Observer, they put out a list of the best high school coaches and high school football players of the last 40 years. Yeah, man. Did Wes Bryant make the list? <laughs> we find out next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, Queen City, I'm coming in a little earlier than usual than we do coming off the break. This is the Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7. WFNZ and Walker teased it before the break so nicely and eloquently he did. But the Charlotte Observer put out their list of the top head coaches and top high school football players of the last 40 years. So let's get into it, fellas. Let's take this trip down memory lane. I'm sure people in uh, Charlotte and the surrounding areas are definitely going to enjoy this one. And I love the fact that they put this list out. Uh, The list was comprised by a panel uh, led by Langston Wirtz, uh, Steve Lytle, Lydia Craver, Justin Pelletier. I hope I got your name right. Uh, And a few others that was more like photos and stuff like that. But uh, let's get to it. I'm going to talk about the coaches list first. Just go through it really quick. Tom Knotts. I mean, who could not put this guy? I know this is going to be some stuff that's going to go a little over you guys' heads, Walker. What was life Eddie. like then, Grandpa? <laughs> Listen, Tom Knotts, now I'll tell you right now, he, he, he legit has a case to be the greatest high school coach of all time. 
Like, this is no cap. I mean, this guy's overall record is 462-87-1. He's got 15 state championships. He's won eight in South Carolina, but he won seven here, uh, right here in the Queen City with West Charlotte and Independence. Uh, a good old friend of mine, Mike Paul Mary of Mallet Creek. I coached at Mallet Creek when they first opened uh, with him, but I was not a part of the state championship uh, varsity staff. I was coaching junior varsity offensive line at the time, but I got him right. But he won uh, three state titles, but he's in Georgia now. Uh, Mike B., Mike Brodowitz of Charlotte Catholic, Chad Greer of Providence Day, and Mike Newsom of the Butler Bulldogs, that wretched place in high school. He is number five. But let's get to the players. All right. They rank the top five at each position. And so I'm going to give you the top player and some other players of note that will have you guys in your cars, your cubicles, wherever you are, saying, yeah, I remember watching him play. The best player of the last 40 years, as they rated him, and the number one quarterback, I'm guessing you guys can guess this, Chris Leak, 15,593 passing yards he had and three state titles. Is there anybody that you would put above Chris Leak that that makes sense? No. Because he's what you think of when you think of best Charlotte high school football players of all time, right? Yeah. I can't put anybody else above him. And granted, I am not very old. But if you are talking, I mean, he was class of 2003, so I'm still pretty young at that time. And even I knew what he was doing at that point where they just weren't losing any football games. They had, what was it, the 100-plus uh, winning yeah. streak with Chris Leak at the helm. I just, you think of Chris Leak as the number one player. And so I, I just it just feels right here to put Chris Leak number one. I don't feel like there would be a big debate. I was very cool with their family back in the day. I went with uh, CJ, his big brother, who was a four-star prospect before him. I went with them to see Wake Forest play Florida State way back when. And they tried to recruit me to get me to come to Independence. But uh, I was out of the zone and could not go there. But uh, There's some yeah. funny business going on. <laughs> but Chris Leak, man, I went to see him play my high school on the night that he broke the national touchdown record at that time. And I wanted to see it. I wanted my Cougars to win a little bit, but I also wanted to see Chris break the record. I wanted to see history. So rounding out the top five of quarterbacks, because that's a premier position, Will Greer, former Carolina Panther, is number two. We know he put up crazy numbers. He had 14,565 passing yards. And a shade under 3,000 rushing yards along with 195 touchdown passes and 31 rushing touchdowns. I mean, that's a crazy high school career. Uh, For the old heads, I think Keith Matkins, I remember he was killing it when I was a little kid for West Charlotte. He was three. Joe Cox, that was my man too. He was coaching at Mallet Creek. Uh, You could argue that he started the Georgia Pipeline uh, in Charlotte. And Drake May uh, is number five. There, the number one running back was Elijah Hood. But let's get to the offensive line, shall we? What do you say? Uh, DJ Humphreys was the number one offensive lineman, as he should be. I said when I saw him, I was at Mount Creek at the same time he was as two. He was the best offensive lineman that I'd ever seen from around this area. He was unbelievable. He had the size, the athleticism. He was off the chain. He was a lot leaner than he is in the NFL right now, but he's been holding on in the NFL and is a pretty good tackle. Uh, for the Cardinals, and you know the Panthers, I, I don't think they would give him up. Well, man, that was the that Panthers was a pick. Go and get the hometown kid. That was a pick right before they eventually selected Kelvin Benjamin. 
So they didn't have a shot to take him because Arizona took him right before Kelvin Benjamin. I believe it was either Shaq Thompson or Kelvin Benjamin, I, it, either one of those. But yeah, DJ Humphreys goes right before Carolina has a shot to take yeah, him. Yeah, he was unbelievable. Then Mo Collins, rest in peace to him. Uh, he was dope. And then we get to number three, Trey Bauer from E.E. E. Waddell. Uh-oh. And much respect to this guy. He was the class of 2005. Uh, he was an all-Mecklenburg first-teamer three times. And uh, he went to Johnson C. Smith. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Langston Wirtz and the crew, I tweeted at you guys earlier. You know, I know I was one-time All-Observer. I was unanimous All-State. I was an All-American my senior year. I know I might not have made it three times. But come on, man. I, I feel like I passed the eye test. Come on, man. You got to put me on there. You're going eye test on him, huh? Yeah, you got to put me on there with Trey Bauer, man. Come on. And then Scott Shuford and Mark Harrell. I mean, put me, like like uh, Cat Williams said in the Shannon Sharp interview, put us on the line, baby boy, and let's see who comes out on top. I'm passing eye tests over any of those guys. Listen, I'm I, okay, so Mark Harrell did go to Notre Dame, so much credit to him. And much credit to those guys, man. I'm just having fun with this thing. Even though I do think, you know, I should have been in the top five, but whatever. Salute to these guys. The number one wide receiver was Steve Ship, and his son, uh, Jordan, is headed off to North Carolina. He played with Jaden Davis over there at Providence Day. The number one tight end was Jeremiah Hall from my alma mater, Vance, now Chambers High School, that played at Oklahoma. Uh, Randy Moss's kid is another player of note. He was number five, uh, Thad Moss. Uh, the top kicker was Nolan Hauser of Huff that is headed to Clemson of the 2024 class. Uh, the number one athlete was James Smith of Mallet Creek. So they didn't put him in the quarterback category, but he got three rings. He won all the rings. Even though Marquise Williams was there dominating at Mallet Creek, they couldn't get it done. But James Smith uh, got the three championships that Mike Palmieri won uh, while he was there. Also, shout out to the Alvin Pearman. He was a monster. He was number five as far as athletes, but he was a running back. I thought he should have been in a running back group. D-line Romeo Okwara was number one. Uh, Chris Canny is also in there. Jordan Davis is in there. Number one linebacker was Power Echoes. I got a little bit of a problem with that. Just a little bit. I mean, Power Echoes was unbelievable. But when you go back and talk about, you know, the the Roman Pfeiffer, that's an old head uh, for you. But D'Angelo Lloyd, for my money, boy, you're talking about 6'6", 235, 240 at the Mike Backer. He was getting 190, 200 tackles. Matter of fact, they said in 1997 he had a school record. 204 tackles. That means he's making pretty much every play. Uh, Defensive back Jair Alexander was number one. You might have heard of that guy from uh, the Green Bay Packers. And then the punter was Tommy Hibbert. And I got to give credit, man. A.J. Dingle from Garinger. Stand up, all right? The Garinger Wildcats haven't had a winning season in God knows how long. So for them to get a player on this list, salute to A.J. Dingle and Garinger High School. So that's the list right there. You know, your boy wasn't on there. So yeah. Langston Works, man, I hope he answers my tweet today. We might have to bring him on the show tomorrow because I got to know, you know, if they did a 10, a top 10, would I have gotten into the 10? All yeah, right? I, if, I if you just tell me if I get the, into the, the 10. The only thing I would advise, don't ask questions you don't want to know the answer to. <laughs> well, if he says no, you know, I, I, I need answers. There's a, there's a problem, right? All right, so let me go down some of the names that I have, I've actually either covered, called okay. games for. Drake May being number five on this list at the quarterback position. I've said this a few times when we've talked about him in North Carolina. He's the best in very small sample size high school Charlotte games that I've seen. He's the best player I've ever seen. The only player that he would tie with is also on this list, Wes. And mm-hmm. he's number five on the running back spot. And that's Quavarius Crouch. Mm. I've told you the story about yes. calling a Harding game, 
where there's two minutes left to go in the first half. I'm setting the scene up as the play-by-play announcer. All right, they're going to run their two-minute offense. We'll see if they're able to get out of bounds. Only one timeout left, and so we'll see if they're able to work the middle of the field a couple of times, maybe just once, whatever. Nope, their two-minute offense was handing it to Crouch, who was as big as the defensive lineman, and then outruns. (laughs) Yes, he was. And then outruns everybody for 80 yards for a touchdown. And now you're giving it back to the other team with about a minute and 40 seconds left. He was crazy. Drake May was crazy. Those are the best two high school football players I've seen. And there's at least a little bit of a talent pool I get to choose from. I also got to see Sam Howe. He was great. More Tebow style in the game that I saw. He was just running it all over the place. I got to see Deami Brown, lots of these guys going to Carolina, Howard Eccles, some linemen that would go to South Carolina too. But Crouch being on this list, Drake May being on this list, I am glad that they awarded some of the recent guys. In fact, we saw a lot of recent players here within the last five years or so. But yeah, those were some of the best players I've seen in the area. Yeah, and I like some of the texts chiming in, and I want to know who are some of the players, who are some of the coaches that you may have felt were left out of this list. Uh, I'm seeing Kenny Moore on there as a top five athlete. Yeah, he was pretty dominant. Uh, Wally Rayner, I'm seeing from West Charlotte. Nick Maddox, I'm wondering, is is uh, A.L. Brown not in the observer coverage area? Maybe he's not because, for my money, he certainly should have been uh, in that running backs category. And that's the great thing about this is that um, – you know, they, they they put together this list, and I think it's fun. And like anything, it's going to always be up for debate. Brian Knuckles, uh, the 704-430 number, he is name. on this list with the running backs. And I remembered hearing stories uh, about him in high school, just how dynamic uh, he was. And so for you guys at the at the running back position, uh, you definitely had some big timers. Hakeem Nix was in that list as well. He was the number five wideout along with Muhammad Massaqua. Uh, but when you look at the running back position, Brian Knuckles was number two. And he ran for more than 5,000 yards there. Senior year ran for 2,100. Fred Staten, an old teammate of mine at Wake Forest, was number three. Uh, Reggie Clark of Providence Day, I don't quite remember him, but that would probably be because he's the class of 87. I was four years old. And then, like you said, Quavarius Crouch, who went to college and has he's had kind of a checkered career. Yeah, he, no, he, he has. hasn't been close yeah. to what – uh, a lot of people thought out there. Well, that was the that was the other story that I had. It was back to back games. I, I forget who the it might have been Olympic that in back to back games played the number one running back prospect in the entire country for different classes. The first game they played Zamir White, mm-hmm. and then the second game they played Quavarius Crouch. Mm-hmm. The the two top running back prospects, not in North Carolina. But in the entire country, it was crazy. And and let's just say Olympic laws, both those. Yeah, some of these players you guys are mentioning, I don't think they're in the observer's coverage area, like Jadavian Clowney. I'm not sure if they are because I would think he would have been number one. Uh, I see Omar Gaither. So keep those takes coming. Will Shipley, uh, that's another great one. T.A. McClendon, Chase, uh, I said that that was one of the first names that I saw uh, that I thought of, too, when when I was thinking about this list. But now we see the text uh Flying in. Yeah, Joe Gibbs Jr. We're talking about T.A. McClendon. Uh, we got Pep Hamilton on there. Courtney Brown, who played at Clemson. So there are a lot of people chiming in on this. So keep the text coming. Who are some of the guys you thought should have been? And you can go check this out uh, on the Charlotte Observer's website. Or if you still get the newspaper, I'm pretty sure you can read it in the paper. Okay. <laughs> but uh, moving on to the Panthers. And they got rewarded with the game going over to Germany next year and so uh that's exciting news from them i know a lot of nfl teams and players hate 
uh, going overseas and playing in some of these games and they don't necessarily, it throws off their routine. We know players are very routine based, but uh, what do we think about the Panthers playing in Germany? And if you could watch an NFL team play in any country, where would you want to watch them play at? Well, so, all right, if I were to attend it, I don't know where I'd want to go. It feels like Germany would be fun. Going to Munich would be pretty fun. And I think if you go back and when we were talking about some of the best trips you've ever taken related to sports, a lot of people of the Roaring Riot discussed that trip that they took overseas when the Carolina Panthers were playing in London. And I think you have another opportunity where it seems like my timeline was pretty excited. I think you're going to see a decent amount of fans travel again to go see them play in Munich. And so the NFL announced Thursday morning that they have designated the Panthers to play there. And David Tepper released a statement. It's an honor for the Panthers to play in Munich in 2024. This game represents more than playing internationally for us. With more than 200 German-owned companies in the Charlotte area, this opportunity offers a special connection for the Panthers and our community. We're excited to deepen our relationships with our German fans, engage with our partners, and continue to grow our brand globally. You also have a big contingency of the fan base there in Germany with that being the designated team for them almost. Steve Smith has traveled. There's a big picture of him on the Panthers.com website of a bunch of fans in the background while he's there at the forefront. So I think this is cool. I I get talking about not necessarily wanting to see so many games across the pond. I know this has led to speculation about seeing a team based in Europe at some point, but getting to see them play in Germany would be pretty cool. So that's the country you would choose if you could pick any to watch a football game? I'll go to the Bahamas if you want me to. Okay. All right. Bahamas I would, would do cool. I'd probably do uh Greece. I think Greece would Greece be, would be great. cool. I think that'd be nice. On the on the nice blue waters and have something to drink, you know. Fiddy, what about you? Um, Italy, because so, I, I want to go see the Pope and ask him his opinion of Willie P. And I know they're going to South America. I think they're starting next year going to South America. I'd love to go see a football game in Brazil. Real football, that is. I bet that I – never mind. All right, so when we talk about the <laughs> – Don't know where you – okay. <laughs> I was just going to say I bet that's not all Fitty would love to see uh, in Brazil. Okay. But uh, when we look at the schedule gotcha. of their 2024 opponents – which game do we think is the most likely to be the one in Germany, and which one should it be? Well, Joe Person said it's not going to be the Chiefs, so we know that. Because yeah, they were in Germany yeah, this past year against Miami. Yeah. Yep. So it's not going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, isn't there only a certain amount of teams that you can see? or It's there, one it's, of their home opponents. Yeah, so I, it doesn't. I mean, honestly, if I'm I go Dallas, going, I think Dallas would be the one. Yeah. Because you need something to make people want to watch, and... Dallas is the team that's going to make people tune in. They're going to put the butts in the seats if Dallas comes to Germany. I think that was the team that it should be. The team that I think it will be, knowing how a lot of these overseas matchups go, it's probably going to be an opponent that's not that great. It's either going to be a divisional team. But right. if I had to pick one, I'll go Atlanta. Okay. How, the 85 South rivalry overseas. <laughs> How do you feel about them putting division games though on neutral fields in Europe? Like to me, I think that's wrong. Like I get why they do it because it's it's easier for them to advertise and it's maybe easier to to drum up interest for the overseas fans. But division games need to be played 
in the United States and within the confines of either Carolina or Atlanta. I wouldn't be with the division game. And it's not because I think it needs to be. It seemed like you were speaking uh, from a place that it needs to belong to the Americans and the fans like that. I don't know if I feel that way. I just think you are talking about a different type of advantage playing at home or away. Yes. And for me, that's the reason why I don't want any division games being played overseas. Well, I mean, we, we know how important divisional games are. Like, I don't want to get my team to prepare for it when they're in a different routine, a different country, a different body clock. Like, no, play the games here and uh, go play someone else overseas. And it's probably going to be the Cowboys because let's be honest. I mean, Germany might be the the Europe home for the Panthers. How many people want to watch this Panther team play? Yeah. Like, what's what's the interest? To, I mean, because right now this team ain't going to be a playoff team next year. Outside of the experience, what's the what's what's the interest to go watch this team play? Just get some speak. American football, man. You know, hey, here, you get the Panthers. You like it. Okay, like this is the team that we're bringing to you. You don't have any other option. Pull for the Carolina Panthers. I'm sorry, but this is the only option that you have. I That's wish I could doing. speak German so I could say uh, something about the the Panthers game and how you know excited they must be for it. You know, German. I guess we don't. No, I don't. <laughs> All right, well, when we come back on the Weston Walker Show, we close this thing down on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wes Bryant getting over the fact that he's not on the best Charlotte football players all time list. The Charlotte Observer just put out there earlier today. Are you feeling a little better about yourself now that you saw some of the talent up there? Or are you still angry you're not a top well, five offensive line? I mean, you'd like no, the recognition, no. but, uh, you know, my, my high school career speaks for itself. So, you know, when you're a competent man, you know, like I said, I would have liked to have been on the list, but. Uh-huh. That doesn't take away from the accomplishments that I had. I feel like maybe if we would have gotten a state championship that maybe because my quarterback texted me about it this morning. I didn't even know about it until he texted me and he did get a mention or two on the text line. uh, Paul Troth, my high school quarterback, he was like, man, can you believe this? And I'm not on the list. What did he say? Can you say it louder? That's how he talks. He's like, man, can you believe this? That I'm not on a. He's got kind of a deep voice, but uh-huh. like, yeah, he said they put out a list, and he's like, I'm not on it. And he's like, he wasn't like mad, man, but he's like, yeah, he's like, I hit up Coach Richmond about it. <laughs> he said, hey, Coach, can you do anything? Yeah, because Coach Richmond, Gary Richmond, he does work with the Observer, and he's on the videos with them on the panel discussions that they have, and so. uh Paul said he hit him up. But, yeah, man, I, I'm okay with that. Fiddy, has Langston hit you up about doing an all-time church league list? Um, unfortunately that answer is no. And it's quite unfortunate, man, because I've got stories like LeBron James type of stories of the wars I endured in college basketball. 
Or in church league basketball. When you were playing against that Circle K cashier, one name church league. Look, no, man. That cashier was business, let me tell you. <laughs> there was a game where I had a, a fractured finger. I had to battle through that, of course, the torn ACL game. Yeah, no, just a lot of injury battles that you overcame. You know, um, there was a game I, I had the bubble guts and played through it. Like, mm. it was... <laughs> it was always an adventure playing church league basketball in historic Lancaster, South Carolina. I'm not surprised about that. You hit shots and had to squeeze your cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna let y'all get out of this one. I don't want to explore that any further. Let me tell you, if the Hickory Daily Record or the Newton Observer Enterprise ever wants to hit me up on like the honorable mention high school basketball players of the yeah. last 20 years. Maybe we specifically dwindle it down yeah. to 2011 just so I have a shot at making that list. Then they know where to You're find me. You're averaging double digits that year? Uh, probably not even that. You know, probably like right. I was probably averaging very close to double. Yeah, it was probably like 11, something like that. 12. I'd love to see. You average 11 a game? 11, 12, something like that. A game? I, yes, that's what I would say. I'd love I to don't see know. the picture, though, because they got nice pictures of the guys. They have football pictures of each guy in there, whether it was an action shot or the mm -hmm. photo you took or whatever. I'd love to see your high school basketball picture. Oh, I know you were stone-faced on there, too. Oh, you guys would. Well, look, there there was a – my news uh, – okay, Newton Observer Enterprise. I think, that's, I think that's what it is. They did a story on me. My senior night against good old Maiden High School. You can look it up if you want. Mm. I don't know if it's there. All Biggest right, little football Newton. town in North Carolina. That's right. Maiden. What's... It was the third one. It was my senior night, and I scored 23 points. I scored mm. 18 in the second half. And there was one photo there of me rising up for a halftime buzzer beater at the free throw line. This is riveting radio for people that want to hear Bunker Hill High School basketball 2011 days. But there's another photo I think they took one time at the CVCC Christmas tournament where I look like I'm about ready to punch somebody. Um, it was against Bandies, maybe? Like, there are a couple photos there. Are you looking it up, Fiddy? I'm trying well, I'm to, trying too. to figure out what, <laughs> what the newspaper is, and I, then I want to find this article. All right, well, we, we can get our research Rocky, team Do on. you know that there's a Max Preps page with your... With some Stats. of your stuff on here? Yeah, but Max Preps isn't, like, you know how Max Preps is. You got somebody that is, you know, getting tossed a piece of paper and they're, like, putting in the wrong stats. You had a 15-point game shooting 67%? Uh, there, well, one thing, I don't know if it was right, but there was a time where I was, like, third in all of high school basketball in the state with efficiency because I didn't want to shoot any shot I didn't think was going to go in. So it was all about efficiency for me. Are these numbers correct? When I say them to you, oh, I don't I'm, I'm guessing you already looked at this page, but they should sound about right. Because you said you were around double digits, 2010-2011 season, uh, right at 10 points per game, 9.7. I'm going to give you 10. Oh, is it 9 point? Did I not get it? Well, I don't know. See, I'm, are you talking about 2011-2012 or 2010-2011? I think it was about the same. Yeah. I probably so I'm giving you years. 10 points a game right there. Okay. Three assists, four boards. You almost averaged a steal and a block and a half. I mean, that that is... I did, and I was a point forward. That's respectable. The, my my biggest claim to fame that I missed out on was against North Lincoln Smoke High School University. I guess, however, right? So uh, Smoke HHS uh, was three assists shy of a triple double, and it would have been the first one in Bunker Hill history. That's the one that I missed out on. That one was tough. Look, you part of the game plan. People got to pay attention to you. Mm -hmm. Like they're like, "Yo, man, what number did you wear?" I was uh, 52 for James Worthy my junior year. Yeah. I was 34.
34? Yeah. I was 34. It was the blackout 52, season. man. Get him. Yeah. <laughs> they were. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, uh, at least I got all uniform. I got all conference two years. And so that is my trip down memory lane. But I did not get recruited by Florida or Wake Forest coming out of high school. It's Neither all good, man. Happen. Listen, it, it is all good. Now, that night. When you had the 21 points, whatever, the senior night, did you feel like... 23, but nobody's... That's right, 23. Was that a night that you felt like, yo, man, we can... You know, I can do this. Where's Roy Williams at? Uh, Well, (laughs) the only school I ever got recruited by was UNC Wilmington. That was the only school. But did you think after that night, though, you was like, where's Roy Williams at? After you finished the game when the buzzer sounded, you was like, where Roy at? No. Come get me. No, No, not Roy. (laughs) I didn't didn't think Roy. Uh, Okay, yeah, so Stanford P just posted a picture of big country Reeves with my face on his body. And he asked me, is this the photo? Yes, that's it. Nice Photoshop work. It was. Stanford P must do something with graphics. Um, that. You know what is fun, though? I did find, this is a true story. When I went to Indiana over the Christmas break, I did find that senior night tape deep in the closet of all the DVDs that have not been watched in about 15 years worth of time. Mm-hmm. I did find that high school tape and I brought it back. And that's true. I promise. Now I need. I've been well, looking we got for a DVD yeah. adapter. Yeah. Right. Listen, we you post a highlight reel. I'll post one. Yeah. Uh, four two three said, "Love y'all," but fifty two is an atrocious I basketball number. I don't think that's number. bad. Yeah, yeah, no, James that's, Worthy wore it. That, that that was the only reason I yeah. wore it. But it's pretty bad. I, I don't like the aesthetics of it. But thirty four much better. Yeah, thirty four much. That's better. Jesus Shuttlesworth, baby. It Lincoln. Is. It's Link, also a king. Link, Lincoln. Yep, right. I king. apologize for those that stuck around for me sharing my Bunker Hill basketball days, but that's what we did. Did you eat life. Bunker Hill chili too? I would. You know some. about that? Not with milk on the side. <laughs> oh yeah, Bunker Hill chili. That canned <laughs> chili with milk. Yeah, you're gonna be uh, I did like not. Fitty was in that church league game. All right, I send copies of my senior night performance to Weston Walker, and then we all break it down tomorrow from twelve to Tell three. Roy that he missed out, man. Until then, it's the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. We appreciate you joining us here on Sports Radio ninety two seven WFNZ.